search ways to open a podcast. Katie, I'm I'm already recording. Oh. (laughs) Well, Well, hey, bitch, how are you? (laughs) Awkward moments. Love it. How you been? How's your week been? How's your dad? You called him? How's your dad? How's your zaddy? And <laughs> <laughs> How's your dad? How's your zaddy? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't have a relationship with my father. <laughs> and oh yeah, high five! Great, great oh. way to. Hey guys, starting off on a positive note. Definitely. So well. <laughs> We're starting off definitely better than this woman I'm reading about uh, in this article here, Katie, because this is ridiculous. So a woman accused of bombarding a man with 65,000, 65K, 65,000 text messages after a single date is now believed to have sent more than twice that amount. Girl, hang on a minute. I have so many questions. First of all, it's rude of you to share my personal life details <laughs> on the podcast. As if um, you don't already, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> no. Um, can we girl, just look back at your Instagram post? <laughs> can we talk about... I'm not talking about the fact that I fill content holes with just photos of myself. <laughs> um, you don't... That you fill content holes... We Okay, I'm with not going to... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fill I was gonna holes say fill, with I was gonna say fill holes with holes, but um. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds vaguely existentialist. No, my question on this, you know, that you have like done entirely too much research into like true crime and crazy people. When my first reaction to that headline, because I saw it earlier today, uh, my first reaction was, "Girl, what kind of like phone do you have that you have all that memory, send- honey?" Exactly. Because my phone be giving me all these alerts about like storage being low, and I delete like two thousand photos and like all my apps off of it, and it's still fucking low. But she's sending sixty-seven thousand text messages. Ooh, we yeah. need to talk about your plan. I think we need to talk more about her mental health because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she sent like. It was over a 10-month period. This bitch sent 159,000 texts to this guy uh, telling him, and I quote, I'd wear your fascia, your, your fascia. Your, you are. You are. Mm, mm. In the top of your skull in your hands and feet. One of the texts, the alleged text read. Now, that's interesting because we used the word fascia. What the fuck is a fascia? It's the, well... You happen to have asked the right creepy bitch. Oh, um, fascia, I legitimately don't know. Fascia is like this. Um, it looks like horse hair. It's really thin and sinewy. It's the white uh, sinewy fiber that holds your muscles to your bones. It's like a tissue um, that's part of your body, obviously. Um, that it's what binds your muscles to your to your bones. It's really hard to cut through, oh. and it's tough um, and chewy. Um, and I know that from anatomy, not I was gonna say, uh, from committing any crimes. I am clean. Uh-huh. My record is sealed. <laughs> no. Yeah, she, uh, she also told him, uh, I'd make sushi out of your kidneys and chopsticks out of your hand bones. Mm-hmm. You know what? Is it also weird that I'm not completely a 
opposed to the aesthetic of hand bones as chopsticks. No, it's not. Um, and maybe we haven't stopped to think that maybe that's just her way of letting him know that he's a snack. Listen, I think this harkens back to our first episode, Jilted Lovers. She is obviously very jilted. She's upset. She's thirsty. But you know what? There's a lot of options out there, ladies. I mean, she's a cute girl. She could get on Bumble. Uh, I mean, she, she could, could get do- on the Tinder. She could do some work with her eyebrows, but I mean, other than that, she's fairly average. I mean, it's all right. Let me see her brows. Here, she, I remember thinking she was like pretty cute. She was all right. She, she's, I mean, we could. I mean, she's cute. We, I mean. We we could could, fill them out a little bit more. She's got kind of skinny brow. They look like they've been a little bit. Anastasia could help her. They look, well, you know me. I can't do brows. Um, I'm really bad at it. So I just leave them Mm -hmm. like they are. Um, sometimes I fill them in a little bit, but, um, I can't do like the laid for the God's brow. Um, but she's cute. She's sporty. She looks like she would want to like go to a football game with you and like eat some chili. You know what I mean? I feel like she would go to a football game and then eat you. <laughs> but not if you're in the cute into way. it, <laughs> not in the cute way, like in the cannibal way, not in the me way. I mean, that's not in a the different Kaylin type way. of pig skin, okay? Because I'll go to a football game with you and eat you, but <laughs> I need eat you that, to live because we got to keep dirt. this record clean, <laughs> honey. That spotless record. Spotless. <laughs> I feel like we have ventured so far off topic. I mean, did but that's fine. But that's okay because we didn't say what the topic was. Like no. maybe the topic is fucking crazy bitches who text a lot, who have crazy bitches who have an amazing phone plan. Maybe the topic, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Maybe the topic is: um, is she going to cannibalize you or eat your dick? Does she want to eat you or your dick? Maybe that's the topic. You know what that reminds me of? Actually, um, have you ever seen the movie? Uh, oh gosh, what was it like? A thousand one. Cannibals? No. No. Fuck. Um, I can't think of it now. But it was a movie, and it was about this group of teenagers, and they go to this town that's inhabited by a uh, like ghost people that come alive for their like harvest jubilee once a year. Oh, cute! And when they come alive, they are able to kill people. Mm. You know, it's like their thing. And this one guy uh, had a. Um, <laughs> He thought he was going to get some head from this girl, this ghost girl. Mm. And then he looks down and she has like these fucking monster fucking razor teeth Mm -mm. and like bites his dick off. A Thousand One Maniacs, I think is what it was called. Um, It's a good movie. You should check it out. I should. That reminds me of that video of that woman. (laughs) (laughs) The whole episode is just, that reminds me of. No, you remember that video that you showed me of that woman who, who was she? She was like some fancy, the grapefruit lady. <gasps> the grapefruit lady. And she lady. got down to give that man mm-hmm. a blowjob. I mean, she wasn't really giving him a blowjob, but she was demonstrating. She was teaching a class on giving blowjobs. And she, if you guys have not Googled like blowjob grapefruit lady, fucking get up on YouTube. It's You're not going to see I'm any going- dicks, but get on YouTube and Google it. Maybe not on your work computer because it looks suspicious, but it's it's like <gasps> it looks mostly safe. Suspicious, but no, she the noise that came out mm-hmm. of that woman as she approached that dildo I, frightened me. I am going to insert a sound clip of that right now. There you go. 
horrifying. Fellas, I want to know. I want to know if you were getting busy with a nice, reputable young lady. (laughs) And she, you know, she did the cute, like, kissing you, right? And she's looking deep into your eyes. And you can tell because she's kind of, like, licking her teeth a lot. Like, you know that she's, she's trying to drum up a little lubrication, if you will. And she starts kind of trailing down that neck, trailing down that jawline. She gives you a little kiss on, on your clavicle, perhaps. I like to go for that. Mm-hmm. Set, the, set the tone, right? And she's trailing some kisses down your chest. And you know what's, you know what's about to happen. Yeah. And you're excited. <laughs> or, or man. Or man. Or either. Yeah. We're open. Or yeah. anything in between, baby. Yeah. I love, I love yins, everyone. Anyone in between. <laughs> but your person... Your person's trailing down that chest, honey. We get on down that happy trail, and you... Nice little trick that you can do is just, like, just stick your tongue out just a little bit, like a cat who forgot their tongue was out, and then they close their mouth and just kind of, like, scoot right down that happy trail. It's always fun. Gets a laugh. Uh, (laughs) And then right hovering over your erect member, that noise happens. (laughs) What do you do? Do you do you stay? I feel like as a man, like I my penis would retract back into me mm-hmm. to get away mm-hmm. from that because as a it's frightening. Your your penis would revert back to like infancy. That's not go good, back. honey. That's that's not a noise of something that is going to feel good. Like that's a noise of something that's going to hurt you. And not in the good hurt. Yeah. I'm about the good hurt, but not, not, no. Nah. That's nah, going to bite your fucking I'm, cock off. That's I'm, what's happening. I'm You're not losing into your dick. grapefruit acid in my dick, so. Can you imagine? I can't imagine, like, if you were to get grapefruit juice, this is really graphic. This is the, the theme today is graphic. If you were to get grapefruit juice, like, in the top of your penis, like, in your urethra, wouldn't it burn like a motherfucker? Fuck yeah. It burns when you right? fucking get soap in it. Like, can right? you imagine? Just fucking soap causes it to fucking. I irritate. mean, bitch, we are not making mimosas here today. No, we are we serving are not. bratwurst, honey. You need to get this fruit out of here. I mean, it's not brunch. <laughs> it's not. This no. is sheets, two for one special, baby. Right. Burning exactly. it up. Exactly. Exactly. I need you to. So if you're still with us, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> what podcast the did I turn is into? Sending text and sucking dick okay okay yeah. sending text and sucking dick you know all right well there we go <laughs> but no that is not <laughs> um despite my best efforts that's not the theme today bitch though before we get into our topic i'm still so excited about the fucking live show that's about to happen though True. so excited i'm so ready uh to just fucking hopefully not Crash and burn. Um, I'm prepared for crashing pie. and burning. Yes. We get free pie. Yes. We just found that out today. We're very excited. I was talking to um, the like event liaison that kind of like put all this together for us. And, uh, and she, I think I mentioned something. I think I mentioned something about pie. And she was like, oh, you get comped pie. And I was like. So question. Is what? it like, because I know they serve it by the slice. I don't know if so, we get a pie. Like, I hope Or we is get... it like comp slice pie for I don't know. both? And is it just one or is it for both? Do we both get a full pl- a full pie? 
I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm going to take what they give me, but I'm so excited Same. that even I'm if being it's paid just in one, pie. Even if it's just one plate, I'm like, we'll share it. We'll be fine. 100%. We can do that, yeah. I think. I think we can do that. But we're uh, working on it, and we are so excited, and we cannot wait. Uh, hopefully, yeah. it's the first for more to come. Hopefully so. Or um, they're just like, never come back. Here's the free pie. Um, here's the pie. Please leave. Never. Um, the pie is for leaving. <laughs> never um, it's come It's not because you did a good job. It's for leaving. <laughs> yeah, but if you guys will be in the area, that's this coming Friday, January 11th. Um, and the show is going to be, I think we're kicking off at seven. So make sure that you are there and in place and like ready to go. It's a dangerous pies DC. Um, if you search the haunted heart podcast on Facebook, it pulls up our group, of course, which if you're not a member, you should be, it pulls up our page for the podcast, which if you haven't liked it, uh, you should. And then it also will pull up that event. And what it is, it's um, the Haunted Heart Podcast and Critically Acclaimed, which is a music podcast that will be, we're going to do a show. um, And then Critically Acclaimed is going to come on right after us. So we'll all stay and obviously support them. Um, They're really cool. I think they're interviewing like a music artist um, or something. So that'll be really um, interesting. And hopefully we won't uh, scare everybody out of there with our set. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we're really awkward, like, openers. We were so awkward. Usually, we're, like, the late night people, <laughs> so... Yeah, we're going to be there during... Well, it'll be dark outside, so that'll be... It we will. Have that work, I just feel like knowing what we're going to talk about, and we're not going to tell you what we're going to talk about, but knowing what we're going to talk about, it's a tough transition back to... Uh, Music. So um, <laughs> we're going to stay and support them through that. And then everybody who comes to the show, we're going to head to uh, a local bar afterwards and just kind of grab a couple of brews and talk to people and hang out. And, and talk about if it went fucking awful or not. Yeah. Yes. Drown our sorrows, Drown our possibly. Sorrows or celebrate. Um, fill our mouth holes with lots of alcohol and, and pie. We'll take the plate of pie from the shop and head to the bar. 100%. 100%. So, um, so if you're going to be in the area, uh, definitely come check it out. It's in DC. Um, come play yeah. with us. Come play with us. Come play with play. us. So, second episode of the new year. What are we talking about? We're talking about death. Because we're. Kind of- <laughs> I'm like looking back on all of our other episodes, and I'm like. That seems to be a recurring theme. (laughs) (laughs) It's a motif, if you will. But specifically, we are talking about deathbed confessions. This is a really interesting topic for me. I was really happy that we were going to do this because it's um, something that probably has a lot of mixed emotions behind it. Because if you think, like, uh, if you have someone and they're waiting to their deathbed in order to confess something, like... It's either could be like something that was truly horrific and that they are just now getting it off their chest. Or you could have somebody who's just a huge piece of shit and is just waiting for their deathbed. So that way they're not fucking convicted of anything. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, I think it's I liked this because I love a good secret. Oh, yes. Um, we love a good secret. We love the dirtier it is, the better. Um, I love crazy stories. I mean, obviously, it sucks when like there's no justice in a case, which there's definitely some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just love like dark, um, 
dark secrets that are kept for years and years and years and then eventually like come to light just because you know aunt sally's gonna kick it um and in a lot of the research there was a ton of the thing that i found the most of was people uh confessing that uh like they had children Mm -hmm. that they didn't know about Mm -hmm. or whatever um there was this one hilarious one that this woman on her deathbed confessed to her family (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that she was always pissed that she had always had the hots for her sister's husband and she was pissed that he didn't marry her after he divorced <laughs> her sister because she had money. And so she thought she was going to swing that D and she didn't. She was, she, that was a long one. She, well, hmm? we don't know, but <laughs> I'm saying hmm. she held that one in for a long time. She did. But I mean, that's one of those things that like, you didn't really even need to tell us that. Aunt Martha, like we didn't need we to didn't know that. Really need to Literally, know that you. Nobody needed to know that. We didn't need to know. Like it's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, and you have some people that do it for like religious purposes. I mean, if you look at yeah. things like, um, even in religions like Hinduism, where you sort of are bound by this like karmic energy of like good karma and bad karma so some people could see it as like a way to brush off that like negative karma or release it so that way you know you don't come back as a fucking um blobfish like me probably (laughs) blobfish (laughs) i mean the blobfish is cute though he's got that giant nose and he's just like he's just a blob i feel like that's what i feel like that's my future i mean I like the blobfish. He's cute. You just got to be careful that you don't swim too high because you know what happens to the blobfish when he's not under pressure. (laughs) He just fucking melts away. If you don't know, Google blobfish and you will know. And most notably in Catholicism, because they hold that belief that like you kind of have to confess before you die, especially to a priest. Yeah. Um, and it's usually done. It's like, called the last right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, no sting. Yeah, okay. y'all be thinking I'm just an ignorant slut. You but have I'm to a per- smart slut. <laughs> yes, you have to perform your last rites um, in order, you know, for your sins to be relieved, and that you'll just be better prepared for the afterlife. So a lot of that is uh, has a pretty common theme. It's essentially. Um, all of these ideas and philosophies have the same end goal, which is to essentially uh, get the best uber black ride right the fuck out of existence and wherever it is you want to go. Side note, though, how long do you think it will be before we get an uber hearse option? Uber hearse? Mm-hmm. Like, who's calling it, though? I mean, like, wouldn't it be awesome if you had, oh, like... to a- ride around yeah. it? Okay, here's what I... <laughs> um see i was thinking like you die and you need a hearse to get to the funeral party (laughs) (laughs) but how are you going to use your app well you do when you you did before you die just go ahead call that (laughs) call for that uber hearse and then it'll come pick you up, and it'll take you to your funeral. Oh, so you call it right before you take your bur- your uh, blindfold off in Bird Box. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right before you, you kick the bucket. Okay. So do you have some juicy confessions that you would like to talk to us about? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Absolutely um, not. No, that's not what this show's about. No, I do. I have uh, I have a couple different stories that I wanted to share. Oh, she's got a couple she's today. She's got a couple secrets. She's got content today, y'all. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Uh, or something adjacent to it. Um, Content adjacent. <laughs> so, first up, we have the deathbed confession of Alice Mock. Alice Mock. Yes. Let's learn. So, in November of 1986, you're there. We have the shoulder no, I wasn't pads. Born yet. We have the blue shadow. We have the pencil brow. Mm-hmm. Right. We have the sharp edges. We have the members only. Mm-hmm. November 1986, 76-year-old Alice Mock of Middletown, Delaware, asked her neighbor to come over. Mock was dying, and she said she had to be honest with someone before she departed this world. <laughs> so we're a little dramatic. Yes. Okay, I'm into it. Um, a current of drama. <laughs> so she said that on May 17th, of 1975, she was drinking with a man named Wayman Camille Jr. She invited him back to her apartment. He agreed and went back with her to her place where the two drank some more. He thought he was going to get that grapefruit. He did. <laughs> he did. And he may have gotten that grapefruit. Uh, so when Camille passed out, Mock stole some money from him. But then she realized that if he woke up and found the money gone, that he would know that she had stolen it because she was the only other fucking person there. Right. Drunk logic. That's what the fuck that is. <laughs> um, so she was worried that her landlord would... She, the other thing she was worried about is that her landlord would find her, a white woman, in bed with an African-American man and throw mm. her out. Because it was 1975 and... Wait, I thought we were in the 80s. No, no, no. This is... Oh, the 80s was when she died. Yeah. Okay. The 80s, well... Well, don't ruin the story, Kenny. Well, she's on her deathbed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I did find a couple stories where people made deathbed confessions confessions and and then then motherfuckers survived. And that would be me. I did too. (laughs) Yes. Awkward. (laughs) Awkward. Um, Yeah, so... uh, So, Allison... Uh, Alice Mock was worried that her landlord would find her in bed with an African-American man and then that she would, like, lose her, um, I mean, it wasn't her house because she didn't fucking own it, but that she would lose her, He like, would kick lodging. her out. Right. So to cover up the theft and also save herself from being evicted, she called the police and said that Camille had raped her and robbed her. He was arrested and charged with sexual assault. The district attorney gave him a choice. He could go to trial and risk getting 45 years in prison, or he could plead guilty and get 15 years. Camille ended up choosing to plead guilty, even though he was completely innocent of the charge. That's some bullshit, because, all right, first of all, I feel like we're at a, like, this is this is kind of an extreme here, okay? How about we just don't steal the How money? How about we just put the money back? Like, you took it, you realized he would know that you stole it, so just... Put it back. And, like, was it probably even that much money? Because it just seems like she picked up some change off his fucking dresser. Yeah. Is what it seems like to me. Right. I mean, I don't think that he was probably. I mean, unless he was just like stacking in his sock drawer. Maybe. But But, no, they were at her place. Oh, that's right. They were at her place. So it would have only been the money. Whatever he had had in his wallet. What, like, maybe a couple hundred bucks at most? I don't know. I mean, it was the 70s. In the 70s. So maybe. Five (laughs) dollars. Like, I mean. And that's enough to buy a whole car. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, just put the shit back. And fuck. I mean, it seems like you were very aware that you were making a piss poor decision mm-hmm. with your life, and you recognized that. So instead of just like putting the money back and you know everybody being happy, you sentenced a man to prison. To prison, right? And not to speak ill of the dead, but. Uh, Scuttlebutt was that she was pretty unreliable. Like, if you could imagine the ideal unreliable witness, it's probably Alice Mock. Like, she had engaged in, like, sex work before, but not, like... I mean, I don't use the word prostitute, but she, like, had had sex for money. Um, And she, like, was kind of a drunk... And she was a drunk user. whore. And she, I mean, she just did a lot of. Like, I'm just going to come behavior. out and say it. She was a drunken whore. I mean, <laughs> now that's fine. I will say, I love a good drunken whore. But case in point, just, <laughs> I started a podcast with one. <laughs> drunk right now. No. <laughs> yeah, she's just. If you could imagine. You would be hard-pressed to imagine somebody less trustworthy than Alice Mock. And still, the DA decided to move on her allegation, and Camille was sentenced to 15 years in prison for pleading guilty to a crime that he didn't commit. I bet she gave the grapefruit to the DA. An interesting theory. (laughs) Hmm. Suspicious. Put a pin in that one. So, Mock died several days after making her confession. She actually went unconscious right after the confession and died a couple days later. Um, The neighbor that she confessed to went directly to the police. And in June of 1986, uh, must have been 1987, (laughs) because the confession wasn't made until November of 1986. So, I'm guessing that it's November, uh, June 1987. Camille was released from prison at the age of 50 after spending almost 12 years in prison. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. 12 years of a man's life just completely obliterated and ruined Mm -hmm. because of some fucking bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. I am, uh, it's very, it would be very difficult for me to think of thing like worse things than you can do than lying about like a rape that didn't happen as a, as a woman, I mean, as anybody, as a human being, but especially women, like to me... Like, there's a moral level that I, like, out of respect for women who have been raped, for women who have had to deal with brutality like that, like, I could never make a false allegation against somebody that hadn't done that out of respect for women who have had to struggle with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so, I mean, beyond the fact that you're completely fucking up this other person's life, like, that is one of the worst things that I think you can do. And then there's this whole other racial component of the case where the DA rushed to convict, you know, a black man based on the testimony of a completely and totally unreliable white witness, which that's a tale as old as freaking time. I mean, it's still happening today in 2018, but 2000. 19. Nah, shit. Fuck that. We leaving that shit in 2018. We ain't bringing it into 2019. Nah. Um, wishful thinking. But, yeah. So, I think that... I wanted to talk about that one. I know it's, like... I mean, it's not a murder. But I wanted to talk about that because I think it had some important elements to it. Because, obviously, there's things that you can confess on your deathbed that aren't murder. 
Well, it's still fucked up. Yeah, like, it's super. I mean, it fucked up his life. Right. Forever. Like, exactly. not just for the 12 years that he was in prison, you know. Now he has to deal with all of that. Um, and even if it is expunged, it's still a factor in his mental health, you know. Well, and it still plays to some sort of, like, I mean, to some sort of, like, um, form of just being fucking evil. Like, right along with murder. You know what I mean? Because you mm-hmm. willingly caused this man to suffer and you knew that you were wrong and right. you let the it happen time. and yeah you, like that's just you're fucked in the head sorry yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah not cool no um so that was uh alice mock now we will move on sorry. yeah <laughs> uh rest easy bitch <laughs> Um, now we'll move on to Margaret Gibson. Okay. So for this one, we're throwing it way back. How far? Back to 1922. Okay. All right. We're in the 20s. We're in the 20s. Roaring 20s. Cultured. You know, Um, we're having us a good time. Roaring 20s. Right before that market crashed. (laughs) True. The hemlines are short. The hair is short. Mm -hmm. The eyebrows are pencil thin, baby. The eyes are smoky. They are, uh, and silent film is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So William Desmond Taylor was a famous actor and U.S. film director in the early days of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. In 1922, Taylor's career was cut tragically short when he was shot to death, and that case became one of Hollywood's most famous scandals and mysteries. Ooh, we love a good mystery here. So fast forward 42 years later. Fuck, okay. In 1964, because that's math, (laughs) a reclusive old woman living in the Hollywood Hills was suffering from a heart attack and summoned her neighbor. Due to her recent conversion to Catholicism, the woman had asked for a priest so that she could do the last rites confession, but when no priest was available, she began to make her confession to her neighbor. As she was dying on her kitchen floor, she said that many years ago, she had been a silent film actress by the name of Margaret Gibson, Mm. and that her career ended when she shot and killed a man by the name of William Desmond Taylor. Ooh, shit. Gibson is alleged to have been involved romantically with Taylor, but she never provided a concrete motive as to why she killed him. Taylor's murder remains officially unsolved. However, the one thing that stands out is that Gibson had absolutely nothing to gain by her confession. And another revealing fact that definitely I should mention is that the neighbor had witnessed, the neighbor that had witnessed her confession said that his mother, who had been a friend of Gibson's, uh, mentioned later that when they, the mom, his mom and Gibson had been watching a TV, like a TV show or I, th- I guess it was like a documentary. Girl, they might have been watching Investigation Discovery. They probably were because it was a it was a show that was um, about the Taylor murder and the mystery of it. Mm-hmm. And so the neighbor's mom said that Gibson had become hysterical and blurted out that she killed him oh. to the mom. So this wasn't necessarily the first time that she had mentioned this on her deathbed. And just an interesting little tidbit, in the 1950 film Sunset Boulevard, the name Norma Desmond is a reference to Taylor's middle name, William Desmond Taylor, Mm -hmm. and one of his actress friends, whose name was Mabel Normand. 
So in my mind, maybe Desmond, William Desmond Taylor, was cheating on Miss Gibson with Miss Mabel Norman. Unsubstantiated mm. completely. I just fucking made it up. Like, <laughs> completely Theories unsubstantiated. here. <laughs> yeah. Unsubstantiated theories. Yes. But it's actually kind of cool because you can see a silent movie like uh, Taylor and Gibson started uh, in a couple silent films together. And one of them that's called The Kiss is on YouTube. So we'll share the link. Oh, know. that's nice. Yeah, it's free to watch it. It's pretty cool. And silent films are fabulous. Oh, totally. They're pretty great. Like... Big reaction. Silent. It's like the opposite of what we do. <laughs> I mean, essentially, because you have to have act with your body, and we act with our vocal fry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. So I thought that one was mysterious. Yeah, that's like kind of, um, you know, she's just seems like like why did she did she kill him out of out of a jealous rage? Yes. Yeah. You son of a bitch. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And just, you know, uh, sorry to the man. Um, yeah, I but... mean, somebody is definitely still dead. But there's something to be said for the ones, like, cases that we cover that happened so long ago. Like, it's not as, I mean, it's still bad. It's still a murder. Yeah. But the distance that time gives you, I think, makes it a little less. Um, it's a little more palatable. I wouldn't say palatable. <laughs> uh, I would just say, I mean, it's just not as, like, heavy. You know what I mean? And that was kind of, like, that story kind of gave me my, like, what I was looking for with, like, the deathbed confessions and the dark secrets and uh -huh. the drama. She had a dark secret, yeah. Right. So much drama. So, yeah. So that was, that was Margaret Gibson. Mm. Are you ready for the, for the threefer? For uh -huh. the trio? Give me the third. For the stunning conclusion. The three for the price of one horrible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Geraldine Kelly. You've heard of her? I've heard this name. Where have I heard this name? No idea. We're from the South, so probably, like, we know somebody with this name. Uh, Geraldine. <laughs> oh, Gerald Jerry? Geraldine. Oh, that's just Jerry down Here's the block. Jerry. Yeah, that's just Jerry. How's, how's Jerry's mom and him? How you doing? You need me to run to the store and get you a pack of Newports. Listen, I'm headed to the Walmart. Can I pick you up something? A pack of <laughs> a, a pack of Virginia Slims. Oh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did she do? What did Miss Geraldine do? So, Geraldine. I can only imagine. <laughs> so, Geraldine met her husband John Kelly when they were children. In Somerville, Massachusetts. So she's a Yankee, goddammit. Fuck. <laughs> uh, but there are some places uh, in the, like, Northeast that are pretty fucking Can thick. We... Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be real with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, upstate New York, I'm looking at you. Y'all scurry. <laughs> um, that is so true. I can still take you, but you scurry. Uh, so all of our UK listeners are like, what are they talking what's, about? What's going on? It's all the USA. <laughs> what do they mean, the North? Do they mean Canada? What? <laughs> Who is their lord in the North? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anyone's listening from feudal Britain. <laughs> like... 
Jesus. <laughs> I don't think we have any serfs listening. You never know. It's 2019 now. UK, we love you. We love you. We do love you. We've got some great followers out there. Gorgeous people. Love you guys. That's true. UK and Scotland. And I have to call out Ireland Scotland separately. probably hates me. It's a, whole, it's a whole fucking thing with us. But like. Ireland's like, can you not mention us, please? <laughs> All right. Back to our story. I'm like the girl at the top of our story to Ireland that's sending like 65,000 yes. text messages. Yes. If Ireland had a phone number, you would be you would be hitting it up. <laughs> you would be in that inbox and Ireland would have you in that friend request fuckboy graveyard. Yes. That's where you would be. Um, but back to Geraldine. Okay? <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking of graveyards. Um... So, she met her husband as a child in Somerville, Massachusetts, and years later they married. And Geraldine gave birth to a daughter in 1970, and the following year, in 1971, that's math, the couple had a son. Mm -hmm. So they have this little family. Um, In 1981, John was kind of known for being a hothead. He drank a little too much. He ran that mouth a little bit too much. Them Johns again. And apparently he liked to fight. That's the thing. Um, Well, in 1981, Geraldine and John were attending a wedding, and John apparently drank too much and got into a fight with three other guests. And this fight resulted in the death of John's brother-in-law. So fearing that he might be charged with murder, John packed up his family and they just hightailed it out west. Um... So they just, a man died and they just like, they just left. I guess. I mean, well, if you think about it, I mean, 1981 doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but like. Well, you said they were at a wedding, right? They were. So did it happen at the wedding and they just killed a man and like awkwardly was like, get in the van. I mean, (laughs) that's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining someone's dead. We just run. We pick the children up and we're running across the field and then we just get in the car and go Um, get tommy let's go yeah but it may not have worked out exactly that way but for whatever reason they fled and if you think about it in the 80s like we didn't have the internet law enforcement agencies were not talking to each other you could literally like commit a crime in virginia and just fucking scoot across the border and you're fine I would not fare well because they didn't have MapQuest or Google Maps then, so I'd, I'd have no clue where I'm going. I'd end up back home. You'd be away from the law, but you'd be lost. <laughs> <laughs> Even you couldn't find you. Even I don't know where the fuck I'm at. So the Kelly family uh, goes pretty far out west. They end up in Ventura, California. Okay. So they did it. Uh, and they were from where again? Massachusetts. Fuck. So they went... All the way. So they just kept going, well, we're just going to drive until we can't drive no more. Yeah. My mom used to say that as a kid. Whenever I would piss her off, she'd be like, I'm just going to get in the car and I'm just going to drive until I can't drive no further. And then I'm just going to keep going. And that's why. (laughs) And that's why I have abandonment issues. I'm just kidding. My mother's an angel. (laughs) My abandonment issues must come from somewhere else. Uh... (laughs) So in Ventura, California, uh, John and Geraldine landed jobs at a motel. And 
I'm yeah, sorry. it's really classy. <laughs> I'm sorry. So what was he doing? Was he like... The... I'm imagining she's like cleaning things and like making things homey and he is like fixing things he's and like, like being the, a handyman. Yeah, he's like the motel handyman. Right. And she's like making beds, but yeah. they're really bad at it. <laughs> like she's not like a homemaker so you she's and me just trying there. to do this shit like <laughs> so she's just standing at the edge of the bed trying to figure out how to do the hospital corners on the bed and she's just like <laughs> fuck no. it fuck it and he's like standing next to a fucking broken ac and he's like nah this is a motel not a hotel so <laughs> we're gonna adjust our effort accordingly right. open a window interestingly <laughs> Interestingly, though, I think that if you and I were to do that but switch roles, we could probably do the fuck out of that. Because you're really good at, like, making stuff look nice, right? Oh, yeah. I could fucking... I'm really good at being a fucking handyman. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. I could see that. That would definitely work. We could do that. I would put on an apron. Yes. Here we go. 2019. Gender roles who? Into it. I'll wear a tool belt. Gender roles who? We don't know her. We don't know her in 2019. <laughs> totally. Uh, all right. Um, so John and Geraldine, they're working at the motel. John continued to drink, and the couple would fight very often. Uh, Geraldine suffered domestic violence on a regular basis, and it was so bad that the kids actually moved out in 1989 and uh, became estranged from their parents. Okay. So what we have here is a broken family. Oh, yeah. There's um, a big old crack. Yeah. Right down that family portrait. Yep. So that's kind of how they left things. And then in early 1992, the kids got a call from Geraldine, and she told them that John was dead. He had been struck by a car while he was out of town. And she relayed a similar story to the owner of the motel. Geraldine continued to work there at the motel for six years until she moved back to Somerville in 1998. So in November of 2004, Geraldine was gravely ill, suffering from breast cancer. Do you like how I did that? Gravely ill? Gravely ill. She was gravely ill. Gravely ill. So dramatic. Gravely uh, So yeah, she's got breast cancer. She's not doing well. And her daughter came to see her. And the daughter was very surprised when, 13 years after the death of her father, her mother confessed to his murder. I knew it. I knew that bitch did it. It is a deathbed confessions episode. Come on. <laughs> I don't know that I can give you credit for I mean, <laughs> the damn, she, oh, he was struck down by a car. Well, he was mm. out of town. He was out of town. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, 13 years later... Geraldine confesses to the murder of John. She said that she shot him in late 1991 uh, after suffering his abuse for many years. And then she told her daughter exactly where to find his body. Curious. (laughs) Wait, so she didn't run him over? No, she shot him. All right, I'm a little disappointed. (laughs) I was really hoping she actually ran him over. All right, well, let's see if this makes up for it. So she didn't just tell her daughter that she killed him. She told her daughter exactly where to find him. Uh huh. When Geraldine had moved back home to Somerville, Massachusetts, she had hired a moving company. And one of the items that the moving company moved for her was a large locked freezer. <gasps> oh, no. Which they removed from her lodging in California 
loaded up in a truck, and drove across the country to be stored at a local storage facility in Somerville. So authorities investigated, and they found human remains in this locked, unplugged freezer that was in the Somerville storage room. The body was mummified, but was identified as John Kelly based on distinctive tattoos that he was known to have, including a panther. Listen to this. A fucking panther, a cupid doll, <laughs> and a skull. All right. Classy. That's like the wife abuse starter kit. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, that's the trifecta. <laughs> but can we just talk about how nasty the inside of this fucking freezer probably was? Oh, yeah. Uh, 13 years? Oof. No. Woof. And But I do give props to, like, uh, putting it in, putting him in a freezer and then just putting it in a storage unit. Like, I just imagine, like, the cops come in, open it up, and there's just, like, the single... Uh, freezer right, that's the only thing that's in there that's just sitting mm. right in the middle and a body's been there the whole unplugged. time unplugged unplugged the unplugged detail makes it threatening to me like if i open if you ever open if you're ever in a storage facility and you look around and see a freezer and it ain't plugged in well, you best to get outlets in storage facilities they do some of them well some of them I mean, why are you storing it there? Why is it not in your house? Plugged in, keeping your Eggo waffles frozen. For real. Why? And the I 18 love- bags of blueberries that you picked back in the summer because you were trying to be healthy you know and what? eat the fruit of the earth, but you don't eat that many blueberries, so now you've had them for five years. You know what? That triggers me. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, because when I was little, uh, my grandfather used to have like one of those big freezers. Uh Um, and so like I would always go down and that's where like the ice cream treats would be and like the frozen popsicles. So sometimes there would be frozen pop. There would always be some form of like popsicle ice cream down there for me, but I never knew which one it was. So Mm. like I'd go down and then, you know, they would have bought something for me. And it could have been a pops, a bag of popsicles, or it could have been the push pop Flintstones, which were my favorite. Those were good, uh, but it was but never. I did not. It was a never body. a body. Little, <laughs> little like six year old me goes to get a popsicle and just sees the body, huh. moves the arm, grabs the fucking. Let me just, let me just get my Flintstone pop. Uh, grabs the Flintstone push pop. Excuse me, there, sir. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would happen. Would do it today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, as long as it was frozen. So, John is identified um, by his, I guess, 1980s fuckboy starter kit tattoos. Uh, and his cause of death was, in fact, found to be a gunshot to the back of the head. Later, police also found the murder weapon among Geraldine's possessions after she had passed. And the district attorney of Somerville said that it wasn't exactly clear if Geraldine wanted to unburden herself with this confession or if her sole goal was to let her children know what had happened and where the body was so that if they found it, the kids wouldn't get blamed for the murder. Mm. So, I mean, I could see it either way, you know? I feel like she was just like, fuck it. I killed the bastard. Yeah. I mean... Again, somebody died. 
always Again, not good. He was a, an abusive piece of shit, but... Right, but we also have to remember who we're getting most of the story from, right? Right. But you do have, like... I am inclined to believe that that was the situation that's taking place because we already have that issue where he lost his mind at that wedding, right? right? We have that incident that was witnessed by other people, and then we have the kids leaving in 1989. So it's clear that this guy was a problem. Yeah. Um, not that I condone violence. If you're in an abusive situation, you need to seek out resources to get yourself out of it that do mm-hmm. not include murder. Yeah. Um, but obviously, in situations like that, I do believe that you know the law should be lenient, um, and yeah, makes for a makes for a really good deathbed confession. I think so. So that is my story of Geraldine Kelly. All Those right, all Geraldine. My, all my mysteries and secrets. Your all of your your women. Oh yeah, they were all three. All women. women. They were all women. What is that they say in Ti- What is that the old lady says in Titanic? Uh, the woman's heart is an ocean full of secrets. That's something that's like beautiful. that. Beautiful. So, I have a case. We're going to call it the case of the unknown woman. Okay. All right. So, on March 14th, 1960, I'm taking us to the 60s. Okay. Uh, what was going on in the 60s? Liberation. We were burning our bras. We were listening to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. We had some fabulous hairstyles. We had some fabulous tweed jackets. Mm-hmm. Some nice, uh, bold prints. We did. We uh-huh. did. Charlie Manson was doing his thing <laughs> as well. Yeah. So 50-year-old Lillian, and I'm probably going to butcher this last name, but Oetting, O-E-T-T-I-N-G, 50-year-old Mildred Lindquist, Lindquist, fuck, God, I'm so sorry, ladies, and 47-year-old <laughs> Francis Murphy left their upscale homes in Riverside, Illinois for a short vacation in Starved Rock State Park near Utica, Illinois. After eating lunch at a lodge, the women went for a hike through St. Louis Canyon. When they didn't return back to the lodge later that day, the police were notified. They organized search parties to look for the three women, who were all wives of corporate executives. Their bodies were found two days later in a cave by a camp supervisor and four teenagers. Their hands had been bound with twine, and they had been beaten to death with a frozen tree branch, and then dragged into a cave. 21-year-old Chester Weger, an employee at the lodge, became an early suspect. He had scratches on him, and there was blood on his jacket. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What's the word we're looking for? Suspicious. He explained the scratches were from... (laughs) Grooming his sideburns. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? He's exclaimed. What? Yes. That is the most like 1960s fucking excuse, first of all, because we're talking about sideburns. His, yeah, yeah. He, did they attack back? Like, what? I think they did. They probably did. The mm-hmm. fucking sideburns uh, burn back. <laughs> they did. Um, and, the bl- and he said that the blood on his jacket was raccoon blood okay <laughs> you know again as one has me as a cop <laughs> hmm. oh. suspicious he stained it early he said he stained it earlier uh when he was hunting now i have to be honest here me i'm like what were you doing killing raccoons 
I think that was a thing, though. Like, I think that was a, like, a pastime. Because they were, well, okay, so we think about raccoons and we think of, like, adorable little Nico from Pocahontas. But, like, they are, they are, like, like rascals. Like rodents. <laughs> They're rascals. <laughs> Wily little rascals. And I can't think of the word. Varmint. Varmint. No, I'm just, I'm just. I'm just saying, like, if I'm the policeman and I'm, like, trying to look for someone who murdered three women and this guy's got scratches all over him and blood and he tells me that, like, oh, I was, I was skinning a raccoon, I'm going to be like, "Mm, no. Mm, But. But maybe that was, like, a thing that people did, like, that that was, I mean, it seems random, but maybe they, maybe that was a mm, thing in the 60s. Maybe, maybe. So he cooperated and uh, gave them his jacket, answered all their questions, and even passed lie detector tests. Hmm. Eight months after the murder, um, Chester confessed. He then led the police and the press through a walkthrough of the crime. And at his trial uh, for the murder of Lillian, he said that the confession was coerced and the walkthrough was coordinated by the lead detective on the case. Hmm. Nevertheless, he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. And he only went to trial for the murder of Lillian, not the other two ladies. Hmm. So, um, Not enough evidence there? I'm assuming so. Okay. Yeah. So since his trial, uh, he has maintained his innocence there have also been several attempts to exonerate him. In 2004, Chester's lawyers filed a motion to have DNA evidence, uh, like the hair that was found in the women's hands, mm-hmm. tested um, and compared against his DNA. And unfortunately, it later turned out that the DNA was not stored properly and couldn't be tested, which mm-hmm. is some fucked up shit. Because it was contaminated. Yes. But I'm like, come on, guys. You had They had hair... But I guess we were at a different point back then. So, like, forensics, pro- you know, obviously wasn't as advanced as it was. So, as it is today. So, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. I can see why there could be some, like, you know. Well, because they weren't necessarily. It's really rare that you find a case like that where where they were thinking ahead to do all of the right things to keep it from, to keep the evidence from being contaminated so that it can be used in like, for future technology. That has right. to be, like, something that you are you have to be thinking about future technology becoming advanced enough to allow you to do that sort of thing. And I think right. in the 60s, there was very little concept of that. Yeah. You know? So this motion also turned up a lady who made a deathbed confession regarding the murder of the three women. In 1982... The police were called to St. Luke's Presbyterian Hospital in Chicago because a terminally ill woman wanted to clear her conscience. Hmm. When the officer got to her bedside, she said that when she was young, she was hanging out in a state park near Utica. She said that things got out of hand and multiple people died. Like, I'm sorry. That's like... Um. (laughs) I was hanging out at a park with some friends and, you know, some things got out of hand and... Three people died. Now the park's not there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's going to be me. Like, the next time I'm running late for a recording session, I'm going to be like, things got out of hand, and um, I need you to pick me up from prison. Exactly. I would <laughs> do pick it. pick me up, baby, bust me out. <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> After they were dead, uh, she said that they dragged the bodies away. Um, and it was at this point that the woman's daughter stopped the interview and sent the police out of the room. The woman's name was never recorded, and it's unclear if she, if, she, if she was referring to the murder of the three women or not. And it is also possible that the woman wasn't in her right mind at the time of death. Now, again, like I said, um, Chester has continued to maintain his innocence from behind bars. He has applied for parole several times, but has been denied every single time. And at the time um, that the article was written that I pulled this from, he is now 79 years old. Wow. So he's still alive. Mm -hmm. He is the third longest imprisoned inmate in Illinois. Um, His lawyer now says that since DNA technology has advanced and the DNA can be tested, um, that the hair can now be tested properly. Right. Um, But the courts have just not granted any sort of permission to do that. And last year, like 2018, was his second year in a row where he was up for parole. And I think he was, um, it ended up tied. Like the vote to give him, you know, whether or not he got parole was tied. Um, And he, you know, didn't get it, obviously. So he's still in there, unfortunately. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's hard because... You have, I mean, so some of these deathbed confessions are backed up with actual evidence, right? Right. But some of them, you also have the issue of false confessions, which we can't get into too deeply on this episode because, you know, I mean, it's a totally different, maybe we can do a totally different episode on false confessions, but Mm -hmm. people are sometimes driven to confess to things that they just point blank didn't fucking do. And so it sounds like in that case... I mean, it could be that this woman didn't do that at all, that she just feels compelled to, like, do you get what I'm saying? But it was so close to, like, you know what I mean? And then the fact that, like... Or maybe she read about it in the paper and it, like, became an ingrained memory. It could have, but, I mean, also, like... We should at least fucking look into it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you should at least fucking look into it, (laughs) especially if, like, we now, like, if the technology, like, today can now differentiate between, you know, can now use the samples viably. Right. Why not? Right. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of that probably has to do with some sort of fear, like, oh, if this man has been wrongfully in prison for his entire fucking life, then that's some deep shit that you're getting into. Yeah. For the state. Yeah. Um, So I just think it... I, I mean, I can't say of whether or not. I mean, because he does sort of fit the description. I mean, he did have the scratches. Um, it was very circumstantial, I believe. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. And he did confess. But we know how that can be. Like, especially if it's, right. if they're trying that to get a conviction. That could also be a false confession. Right. Yeah. Especially in that time period before we had a lot of the controls that we have um, which I'm not necessarily saying that those are foolproof either, foolproof either. 
Um, but you know, that was before we have some of the controls in place that we have well, now to prevent things like truth serum, right. pentothal and but all that. When he was arrested, he had a wife, he had an infant son, a toddler daughter and has maintained uh. he, but he has consistently maintained, um, his innocence throughout the 60 something years that he has been, you know, oh, I hate in that he prison. Baby and, kids. Right. Oh, and he didn't get so to it's just up. odd to me that like, if he did it, like he has maintained his innocence. Right. So that says something to me. Yeah. And now he's just, he's an, he's a grandfather. Like, mm. and that's where they have to see him now. Um, and, and actually in 26, in a December, 2016 interview, um, he insists his detailed confessions again were coerced and that his reenactment of the crimes at the state park, which was in front like of a whole gaggle of reporters and photographers was um, choreographed by the police detectives, which are now deceased. So Mm. there's also that, like you can't really go back and, you know, talk to the cops because they're, because they're they're not alive anymore. So, Mm. And he is quoted as saying, why should I say I committed a crime that I never committed? I'll stay in prison the rest of my life to prove my innocence before I'll make any deal with any of you crooked people. Mm, poor guy. If he really didn't do yeah. it. Yeah. Because you also have those killers who maintain their innocence, quote unquote maintain their innocence, but really they just don't want to give anybody the satisfaction of actually Yeah. Some people, over. from what I read, they said because he, they, they, are claiming that he's being denied because he's obviously, quote, not showing remorse mm-hmm. because he's claiming that he didn't do it. Yeah. Um, right. So, which I don't blame. Like, if I didn't do it, like, I don't know that I could, you know. Say that you did. I don't know that I could say that I did. But hopefully, like, you know, if he didn't do it and they can prove that, like, maybe, ne- I mean, hopefully next year. Because I'm sure he'll try again. He's been trying consistently. So, yeah. and this year it was at a tie. So, hopefully soon, you know, if he didn't do it, that yeah. I, I mean, and I do get. You know, we were talking about why wouldn't you test the DNA if if you have the ability to test the DNA? There are a lot of things that go into that decision. Um, there's tons and tons of evidence. Uh, one particular cause being uh, called in the backlog. There's tons of rape kits that have just like never been fucking tested. Right. Just because it takes time and it's expensive and you know it's um, it it takes time to process those things. So part of that argument against you know testing this kit is you know we had the case we did the we interviewed everybody we convicted this guy years ago on this and you know. It's done. And we have all these other cases that we need to channel our efforts towards, which I get that argument. But I would think that all of those years in prison would necessitate maybe a second glance at it. You know what I mean? If you have the ability to do it, you didn't have DNA testing back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, if you have the ability to do it, you have you didn't have the ability to do DNA testing back in the day. This guy has spent his whole life in prison. Let's just take a second glance at it and reconfirm. Right. I mean, I think you owe it. Like, what? Right. I mean, you're just testing some, you're testing the hair. You have the ability to do it. Like, I just don't understand. You, I mean, the guy's been locked up for that long. Right. But again, I think that just goes back to like them not wanting to deal with the repercussions of that. Because because holy shit, what if it 
Yeah. If it didn't turn out to be him. But then there's the whole argument of, okay, well, what if it didn't turn out to be him? Does that necessarily mean that he's innocent? Well, not necessarily. Then we still have, like, a whole, like, case about then arguing. The and, is you know, we can argue about again. this hair. Yeah. And so I think I get the argument to not want to look at it, but I do think that if somebody has spent that long in prison, mm-hmm. like you said, you kind of owe it to the process. Yeah. And to, then, to you know, it. you've got the victim's families as well. That right. They're, you know, they push for him to, they push for the parole to be denied. So, you know, you have to sort of respect how they feel as well. Right. Um, and one of the, I believe it was the, um, uh, one of the granddaughter the granddaughters of one of the victims, um, she just recounted like how um, the killings, like the toll that it took on their family uh, and everything that they had to experience way back then. And um, she feels for the family of this man, but is quoted as saying just as relieved as I was, that's how sad that they were. Hmm. So it's, you know, yeah. So that's my case, which I thought was very sad, but very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. You. Gold star. Gold star for the editor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe it's that time, bitch. It is. So if you want to catch up with us uh, in between episodes, we're in your ear holes every Wednesday. But if you want to talk to us on other days and see what we're like on Tuesday <laughs> or Friday, uh, join the Facebook group uh, on Facebook if you search The Haunted Heart podcast uh you can pull up our group it's a closed group that's for your privacy and for the privacy of everybody in the group Mm -hmm. we know that you probably some of you guys don't want everybody seeing all the shit that you post um with all your spooky lives um so it is private nobody can see what you're posting in the group nobody can see any of our conversations if you request to join we will approve you uh and then you can become part of the conversation there if you would search the haunted heart on facebook and also give our uh facebook page a like uh, just because we need a little like love there as well. Uh, again, I'll mention the live show this Friday, January 11th at Dangerous Pies DC at 7 p.m. Come hang out with us. Live, laugh, eat pie. Live, uh, laugh, and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Not promising the third one. <laughs> Let's see how the drinks go. No. <laughs> um, and then on Twitter, we're at The Haunted Heart. On Instagram, we are at The Haunted Heart Podcast. Um, and if you ever want to send us any emails. Uh, or confessions. Or confessions. Or your deathbed confession. Are you, are you dying right now? <laughs> Do you have an immense amount of guilt that you just want to relieve? Send us an email. No, I think, I actually think it would be fun um, if you have any confession. Even if it's like, I mean, please try not to hit us with the big stuff. Like, I murdered three men in Albuquerque in 1987. But, like, just any little confession that you have um, that you want to do, like, anonymously, I think that would be cute. So email us at staysspooky at thehauntedheart.com. You can also hit us up at thehauntedheartpodcast at gmail.com if that's easier to remember. Um, Or you can go to our website where we have a bunch of cool merch and shit that you can check out, as well as old episodes, um, and you can use our contact tab there. Because the contact tab's been popular. It has. We've gotten a couple uh, things on there, which we may be sharing on the show soon. At some point. <laughs> soon. Um, yeah, so send us your, your confessions. 
My confession, okay, I'm going to share mine. My confession is that when I was... You're going to say this after everybody has left because they're like, oh, they're doing the clothes <laughs> They're out. like, bye. Bye. Uh, these, this is for you guys who stay till the very end. It's a Ooh. special Easter egg just for you. For you. Uh, my confession is that in sec- second grade, I stole a tiny little mini nail polish container of powder blue, wet and wild nail polish and i didn't even make it to the car before i showed it to my mom my mom made me go back inside and apologize (laughs) so that's my confession and i've never told anybody wow except for obviously my mom that's deep it is and here we are my confession okay you stole uh you stole a um uh Powder blue nail Powder polish. Blue nail polish. Yes. The mini size, the trial size. It's important. One time I stole a packet of taco sauce from the grocery store. <laughs> the little like or tank taco packets. The powder that you can mix into your hamburger meat in order to make it taste delicious. I, I stole one of those. Why? I don't know. Wow. And I also used to go through the grocery store and tear off the little coupon things from the from the readers just because hmm. I didn't want anybody to have coupons. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's a weird note to end on, but here we are. It wouldn't be the haunted heart without it. <laughs> All right, guys. We hope you have enjoyed this episode, and we hope you have a lovely week. And until we meet again, stay, stay spooky. spooky.